Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about upper GI bleeds. If you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along at zerodefinals.com slash upper GI bleed or in the gastroenterology section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. Let's get straight into it. Bleeding from the upper GI tract is a medical emergency that you're going to see a lot when you become a junior doctor. It involves some form of bleeding from the esophagus, the stomach or the duodenum. The most common causes are esophageal varices, which particularly occur in patients with chronic liver disease, Mallory vice tears, which is a tear of the esophageal mucous membranes, usually from persistent vomiting, ulcers of the stomach or the duodenum, and then cancers, again of the stomach or duodenum. These patients present with vomiting of blood, which we call hematemesis. If there's been bleeding into the stomach and that blood has been allowed to digest slightly, you get something called coffee ground vomit, which looks a lot like coffee grounds that you'd find at the bottom of a cafetiere. Melina is a tar-like, black, greasy and offensive smelling stool that's caused by digestive blood that's passed through the GI tract. And then in patients who have large amounts of blood loss, they can develop hemodynamic instability which causes a low blood pressure, tachycardia, and other signs of shock. But you have to bear in mind that young, fit and healthy patients will compensate really well until they've lost a lot of blood, so this can be a very worrying sign. The patient might also have signs and symptoms of underlying pathology, so they might have epigastric pain or dyspepsia if they've got an underlying peptic ulcer, they might have weight loss if they've got an underlying cancer, and they might have jaundice or ascites or other signs of liver disease if they've got esophageal varices. We need to talk about the Glasgow Blatchford score, and this is the scoring system that we use if we suspect upper GI bleeding on a patient's initial presentation. So it scores a patient when they first come in with a suspected upper GI bleed, and it establishes their risk of having an upper GI bleed, and it helps you make a plan, for example, whether to discharge them admit them to hospital or keep them in for an urgent endoscopy. The best way to calculate the Glasgow Blatchford score is to use an online calculator as it's very easy to just click through and put in the relevant values. A score above zero indicates a high risk of having an upper GI bleed and it takes into account various features that indicate they've had an upper GI bleed. So firstly the drop in haemoglobin, a rise in urea And you get a rise in urea because as blood is released into the stomach, it gets broken down. And one of the breakdown products is urea, which is then absorbed in the intestines, back into the blood and causes a rise in the blood urea level. It also takes into account blood pressure, heart rate, whether they have melina or not, and whether the patient complains of syncope. Next, we're going to talk about the Rockall score. And the Rockall score is a different scoring system that's used in patients who've had an endoscopy and it's used to calculate the risk of re-bleeding and their overall mortality after that endoscopy. Again, the best way to do it is to use an online calculator and it takes into account risk factors from the initial presentation and the endoscopy findings. And this is things like age, features of shock on presentation, comorbidities, the cause that's been found for the bleeding, for example, the Mallory vice tear or the malignancy, and then endoscopic stigmata of recent hemorrhages, 
such as finding clots or visible bleeding vessels. I have a handy mnemonic for the management of an upper GI bleed, and that is abated, A-B-A-T-E-D. So the first A is for an A-B-C-D-E approach to immediate resuscitation, and you can use what you've learned from ALS and ILS to immediately resuscitate the patient. B is for bloods. A is for access, so you need to get in two large bore cannulas ideally, and this is because they can become hemodynamically unstable and require a lot of fluid or blood to regain that hemodynamic stability. T is for transfusion. E is for endoscopy, and you want to arrange an urgent endoscopy in someone with an upper GI bleed. If they're hemodynamically stable, they need to have it within 24 hours, and if they're unstable, they need to have it as soon as possible. And then D is for drugs. So you want to stop anticoagulants and stop any non-steroidal anti-inflammatories that might have precipitated the bleed. The blood tests you want to send are for hemoglobin, so send a full blood count. Check urea, so send eusinase. Check coagulation, so send INR and a full blood count for platelets. Check the liver function and cross-match two units of blood so that there's blood available in the lab. And here's a quick Tom tip for you. When people ask for a group and save, this involves sending a sample of the patient's blood, and the lab will simply check the patient's blood group and keep the sample available so that if they need to match blood to it, they can. But if you cross-match, the lab actually find some bags of blood, test that they're compatible with the patient's blood, and keep them in the fridge ready to be used if necessary. So a group and save is just for somebody who you think might need a routine transfusion in the near future. And a cross match is for somebody who might need urgent blood at any time. So you're actually asking the lab to provide you with blood. Transfusion is based on the individual presentation. So in somebody who's having a massive hemorrhage, you would transfuse blood, platelets and clotting factors in the form of fresh frozen plasma. It's worth noting that if you transfuse more blood than is necessary, this can actually be harmful to the patient. You can give platelets to somebody who's having an active bleed or has thrombocytopenia, so platelet count less than 50. And prothrombin complex concentrate can be given to patients with warfarin that are actively bleeding to try to help reverse the effects of that warfarin. There are some additional steps that you'd take if you suspect the patient has esophageal varices. So for example, if they have a history of chronic liver disease. And these are to give something called terlipressin, which causes constriction of the blood vessels and hopes to slow down bleeding from varices. And you also give prophylactic broad-spectrum antibiotics, which have been shown to reduce mortality in these patients. Of course, a definitive treatment for any upper GI bleed is to get the patient an OGD. And the long name for this is an esophago gastroduridinoscopy and this diagnoses the cause of the bleeding and interventions can be given to stop the bleeding for example banding varices or injecting a sclerosing agent into any source of bleeding or cauterizing any bleeding vessels. One final thing to note is that NICE actually recommend against using a proton pump inhibitor prior to endoscopy in a patient with an upper GI bleed but quite often you'll find senior doctors that do this anyway. So thanks for listening to this podcast on upper GI bleeds. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your colleagues and hopefully it can help them out too. 
And if you want to help me, then I'd love it if you could give me a rating or a review on your podcast app. And I hope you tune in for the next episode, which will be on inflammatory bowel disease.